Hello and welcome to the show. This is the Goodwin Podcast. I'm Nico Lapalusa. And today I'm very enthused about this episode, which could have pros and cons. Um, I'm enthused because I've learned a lot of new information that I find exceedingly interesting and um, concerned that I won't be able to do it justice by sharing because there's a lot of information. So categorizing it in my brain and then being able to transcribe it is something I can only do my best on. So this weekend, I was invited to an elder ceremony. Um, There's a Native American group called the Dine, D-I-N-E with an accento over it. Um, And they hold a tradition that brings people into elderhood. So it's the transition from man to grandfather and woman to grandmother. Not saying that this is irrespective of their personal family lineage and is more bound to the cycles in their life and age. And the psych- the metric they use to determine this is um, when someone becomes 52 years old. And the reason is, is 13, the number 13 which is a very important number in many traditions, um, which we'll get into. But the, the closest significance or the most relative, relative significance is there are 13 lunar cycles. Um, so the time it takes for the earth to revolve around the sun, we call a year. And within that time, there are 13 lunar cycles of exactly 28 days. So to begin, I guess my mind is going to, why do we have a 12 month calendar? The Gregorian calendar is 12 months and we have some months are a little longer. Some months are a little shorter when the true time and space that we've been given Uh, based on, again, the cycle around the sun. And within that cycle, the lunar, um, the cycles around the earth being exactly 28 days. And there's 13 of them. And the ceremony of 52 is significant because it's four cycles of 13. So there, the first cycle would be 0 to 13. And then it would be 13 to 26, 26 to 39, 39 to 52. Four being significant because they then relate it to the four directions, the four elements. So our first stage, our first cycle of 13, 0 to 13 is bound to the east and which makes sense because the sun rises in the east time is relative on earth to the sun so our individual time our micro um our micro scale uh is correlated to the macro scale which is the sun so the east and then it goes 
clockwise. So 0 to 13 is associated um, with the east. And 13 to 26 is then the southern time of your life. And 26 to 39 would be west, which I'm currently in now, being 31 years old. And then finishing off at the north. And once you turn 52, you've ended a complete cycle and begin again. Now, I've kind of heard this turning 27. Um, some people referred to it as your Saturn's return. So Saturn returns to the place it was. It was. Um, in respective to the sun and the earth. So obviously the sun is moving through space. So it's not exactly where it was. It's not the, the model of the solar system where the sun's in the middle and the earth's just move and the planets just move around it is less accurate because the sun is moving. So the planets are actually being dragged like in a tidal wave moving around, around the sun. So it's not in the exact same place, but it's in the same place relative to uh, the earth's position to the sun. Basically, it takes 27 years for Saturn to rotate around the sun where um, so that's your Saturn's return and uh, a lot of my more astral friends they would say your Saturn's return can be a rough time it's a time of transition rebirth and I gotta say for me it was very um, impactful um, uh, it started off with an injury to my shoulder um, and then I closed out my Saturn's return with uh, getting ill with cancer, and now I'm out. I'm like leaving my Saturn's return in with new perspective and new health, with sharing new passions. And each of these stages are correlated with an element, and that's a piece of knowledge that I can't recall right now. But when you turn 52, you complete a full cycle. And you're reborn again into a brand new cycle starting again in the east, eastern part of your life. But you're now going into this new cycle having collected the knowledge of the previous cycle, the previous cycle of 52 years, which is considered sacred in this tradition. And you are now transitioning to, an, to become an elder. And... Uh, so 13 cycles of 28 days is what like the Mayan calendar was built upon. The Celtic calendar was built upon. Um, and I want to just read a little bit about this. I basically Googled like, why, so what happened? Why did we adopt the Gregorian calendar of 12 uneven months when the planet has given us such like, a clear um like time cycle like why did we break the 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 28 day matrix of 13 days and furthermore why did it why did 13 get such a bad rap like there's not 13 floors on buildings because of bad luck like the the pr of 13 it, it wasn't just avoided but now it was made like a negative number like, where does the conspiracy end? Like, like how, 
much illusion. Like, how far does it go? I feel like everywhere I learn, there's like everywhere I go, there's a potential for like this conspiracy thinking. And I don't, I'm not fully comfortable just adopting this mistrust because the conspiracy theories are, are often dismissed. Even that word is, is often dismissed. But like, it's not a conspiracy that we have a 12 month calendar. That's how our time operates off of. And it's not a conspiracy that the lunar cycle, it takes 28 days to cycle around the earth. Uh, and it does so 13 times, creating 52 weeks. Because 13 weeks of four. No, 13 cycles of four weeks um, for, a, for a year, for a lunar year. So I went to Quora, um, where people kind of speculate. You're not necess- you're not guaranteed, um, like pure scientists responding. It's more people that are passionate and usually relevant stuff or things that people that resonate with people rise to the top of the list. And uh, so you're kind of it's kind of based on society uh, whether people like it or not. I don't want to read this. It's there's so much to unpack here. Um, and the and the first post is really pushes. They even go as far to say that the world won't. The reason the world is out of balance is because we've gotten rid of the natural cycle of the thirteen of the the lunar cycle, the 13 um, cycles of four weeks. Let's see. It's important for us to remember that during the first half of the 20th century, a vigorous and well-organized calendar reform movement flourished. Um, The international fixed calendar, a perpetual same every year with 13 equal months of exactly four weeks compromising 364 days and with the final 365th day held not in any week or month often known as the null day and the reason is so there's an extra fraction it's not exactly 1328 um there's 365.242199 days and the, the Gregorian calendar divides 12 uneven months, and that's what we're on right now. And plus a leap, uh, the leap year, including an extra day to compensate for that. The World 13 Moon Calendar Change Peace Plan. So this this person is, is literally, their like mission is to get us back on a 13-4 calendar. And... This talks about the effort to do so. The 1328 Calendar Awareness Program is a people's movement synchronized with the nature's movement to restore harmony and peace on Earth. This movement is destined to usher in cal- calendar referendum for the year 2020, which is 13 years after... Oh, no, no. The 13 Moon Calendar belongs to no religion. It's purely non-sectarian and is democratic in- through nature.
But okay. So I'm not just going to read this Quora, this Quora thing. I read it earlier and I'm having a hard time locating the points that are, are valuable to talk about. I'd rather talk about this ceremony that I was a part of, um, which en- encompasses this, this model. And everything is, is very particular. It's very um, intentional. Everything is very intentional within the ceremony. And it was actually very difficult, exceedingly, exceedingly difficult. We started at 7 p.m., it's in a teepee and the teepee is orientated so that the door is exactly east facing. There is a fire in the center of the teepee. It's a large teepee, maybe 30 feet across um, in diameter. Um, and that could be exact too. They just, I just wasn't made privy to that information. And it's clearly circular. Fire in the center. We started at seven and there's no back support. So we're sitting on the ground and the ceremony went from 7 p.m. till about 11 in the morning. And there is a sacrificial element to it. We are, we are supposed to stay up, stay seated and present for those 14 plus hours um, as a way to give thanks or as, as a thanks for the life we are given. And it was difficult. It was very, very difficult. I wanted to quit. Maybe like maybe for eight of the hours I was trying to escape in my mind. But not not being physically able to like get myself to leave, like feeling like I had nowhere to go. And even though it was November, it was it was warm, but the wind was wild and whipping. And because of that, usually a teepee has a, little, a bit of space on the bottom, so air can come in, and then kind of push the smoke from the fire up. But we walled off the bottom of the teepee with another layer. And what that meant for me was a significant amount of smoke was in the teepee at all times. So not only was it the length of the 14 plus hours seated on the ground, sitting up and present, not sleeping, but I felt like I was being smoked like a piece of jerky. So my eyes, puffy red. My The breathing was, was very difficult. And especially when they started fixing the fire. Because um, the fire was kept all night. And it was kept intentionally by, by a single person. There's a lot of order and in the ceremony. It's all written down. And I'm not exposing anything... Um, to, to take anything away because it, it was eventually validated. But when they adjusted the fire and the flames kind of died down, the flames never went out, but when they died down, the smoke increased. And at that point, woof, it, it felt like there was, and a teepee has space in the top for it to breathe, but it held the smoke the wood must have not have been fully dried 
Um, and the amount of smoke, I think I was hit the worst. And I don't know if my mental wasn't fully there. Like I was, I was afraid. I was afraid to be in this smoke filled teepee. I'm, I was thinking carbon monoxide and my eyes were, were genuinely disturbed the whole time for this 14 hours. So I was, I, I wanted to quit a lot. I've sat many ceremonies at this point and, uh, and there was just points that I'm like, I don't see how this one's going to turn around. I, I don't see like just really, really going through it, not letting it show. Cause you can be freaking out. This is one thing I learned from, from ceremony, um, of any sort that I can be going through a really, really tough time. But I don't have to do necessarily do anything about it. Like even though my insides might be kicking and screaming, if you will, um, I don't have to be kicking and screaming. In fact, sometimes that stillness, bringing the stillness, and the lesson is to kind of surrender and to give myself to the present moment each time. Because as soon as I started thinking, oh, there's... uh, you know, it's, it might be hour four and I know, I don't know the exact timeline of, of how everything's going to unfold, but I know that we're going till morning and it's 11 o'clock. So I know that there's at least seven or eight more hours. So at that point, it just seems if I start thinking about the future or the rest of the time, I am doing myself a great disservice. But if I can come back to the present, even though it was an eye-stinging, uncomfortable present, um, and and basically return to my breath, like it was hardcore mental training and and fortifying of my soul and my ability to not give up. Um. If I was by myself, not in community, I would have conceded. So, I, like, I, I was basically empowered by the people around me um, who showed great resilience. And in the morning, my eyes were definitely the reddest. It seemed. Like, I, my eyes were straight up super light sensitive. And I don't know if I was just getting all the smoke. Um, but damn, dude. It was exceedingly difficult. And like I said, I didn't think it was going to turn around. I didn't think that I was going to leave feeling like it was worth it in any way. But it did. It did turn around. It did end up validating itself. And uh, come morning time. So, so this ceremony is filled with prayers. And the prayers are very specific. There's, there's uh, the blessing of the elements and I can't quite share all of the, the structure because I was, I'm very new to it. I was invited to be a part of this celebration uh, as a woman enters in her grandmother phase, into her elder stage, um, and just bearing witness mostly. But every, every piece of it was done with intention uh, there was the fire, of course, but then there was an altar piece that, uh, and, and we blessed water two times throughout the night, and we did water prayers. Um, 
where the men got to speak on the first water prayer and then and then the second water prayer, which was closer towards the morning or was in the morning, the women got to share uh, and kind of bless the water with their words. Um, there was the constant acknowledgement of the wind and the ground. It, it was actually more fire and water, I, I'd say, because there were instruments and one of the instruments was a drum and the drum was a, a, a kettle covered with a deer skin, but filled with a little bit of water and in the water was put fire. So it was put like some char. And the idea was um, it represents birth. And birth is when fire and water come together to create life. So life, like according to the tradition, life was created when fire and water met. And in that moment they were able to meet um, came life as we know it. And there's just so much beauty, like so much... Uh, so many beautiful metaphors and so much and because of the intention and because of the thought the, the thoughtfulness like it did end up validating itself it was intense suffer a unique kind of suffering because one the sitting you know I, I don't practice sitting for 14 plus hours on the ground so hips knees my lower back's feeling a particular kind of way today um, but, but the smoke, the smoke really, really did me in and had me basically dying, dying slow. And it wasn't like, um, like one of those near death experiences, like acute, like I almost fell off a cliff or I got in a, like a car wreck and, and saw my life flash before my eyes. It was a slow, like dying process. And having the conviction to sit through it, um, to sacrifice, uh, and to surrender. When the morning came, I was like overwhelmed with joy, overwhelmed with gratitude, a gratitude for like the rising sun, which is so easily taken, taken for granted, like every day by me, at least, uh, Maybe I can change that. Maybe that's something I can take away from from this ceremony. And there is an element of giving thanks every day that I've incorporated with my with ceremony work in the past. But um, the immense gratitude and clarity I felt from this particular ceremony, having gone to depths of self preservation, ego, mental anguish. Um, the gratitude was that much sweeter and it was like come morning time, come the second water prayer, um, just when I was praying, like in my mind, I was getting those tingles shooting from the base of my spine up to my head, but like it was all at once. It wasn't, it was like a one, one, one. I felt like I was vibrating and when I was in that, like that place, I, we were encouraged when, like during our prayers, we were praying for the elder, the person transitioning to elderhood, but this was very much for us as well. And what I liked about who led the ceremony was, um, the encouragement to, to acknowledge your dreams, like your selfish dreams, your desires, and to try and manifest those 
to call in wealth and prosperity and like healthy living environments for yourself and uh, beautiful relationships. And the trick is, though, is when I was in that place where I felt like my prayers were the most powerful, all I wanted to pray for was the health and well-being and happiness of others and myself. Like I wanted to pray for forgiveness and I wanted to pray for like um, mental clarity and the ability to love in a sustained and and conditionless or condition yeah conditionless way and all the, like animosities and resentments let go of dissipated thinking of people that I've really built up a hardness to and being able to let that go and to share something very personal um that I was able to share in ceremony and it was received really well was it was my nephew's baptism. It was my first nephew and it was his baptism on Saturday, this previous Saturday. I wasn't invited. One, because of there were there were COVID concerns. Um so they were keeping the pop the population small of the party. But two, and most importantly, there's been discord in that relationship in my life, not with my nephew, he's a baby, but there's discord in that familial relationship. And when I wasn't invited, no, it was no big deal. It was like, oh yeah, of course I wasn't invited. There's discord there. Come Saturday night, when I'm sitting in this ceremonious teepee, the person who was being celebrated there was a part where she they started in the east side of the of the teepee and that represented years 0 through 13 like i said earlier in the podcast and someone came up and they said beautiful words about her and as relating to those first years of life that first cycle of life um and they gave the gift of of water there was gifts of water on each point though so he gave her a gift of water, and there's all types of water um, to acknowledge. And I was actually inspired to kind of just do a podcast about the elements and water specifically. And water might take me years because there's there's sweet, fresh water from reservoirs and springs, rivers, lakes. Uh, then there's salty water in the ocean, um, and there's the combination of both in things like cenotes um, and brackish water. There's rain, water can fall waters and clouds um so there's all there's all types of water so a particular type of water was acknowledged for that zero to 13 years and then she moved to the north uh, south side and then and again someone else brought up a gift of a particular kind of water said some words and um and, and gifted her some water and each time they gave her a gift of water they would pour it on her head a little bit like a baptism. Okay. So that's just one thing. There were also babies and children with their parents either in the ceremony or they came in the morning um, to the ceremony space. And, and the babies that were, there was babies there, like three babies under six months old. And then there were children, maybe 8 to 13, uh, that showed up in the morning or at various points um, of, of the journey. And 
each one of them, the the leader of the ceremony, it was led by uh, three women who kind of coordinated it. And then the fire keeper was a man. And there was also a guy who, who was called the doorkeeper to make sure the teepee stayed shut and to assist in, in any other way. And the woman kind of leading the ceremony who kind of held the altar um she she ended up doing this like she she got each baby like put their feet on the ground walked them around the altar we all said hi and then she poured a little bit of water on their head and a little bit of water um like on their cheeks or something and it just came to me i'm like i'm witnessing four baptisms on the same day that I was supposed to witness my nephew's baptism. So I was like, which I wasn't invited to. And that hardness of not being invited, which I built up, yeah, it's no big deal. Like that relationship will develop when it's supposed to. And I have my own resentments. I've been hurt, hurt by that relationship. That, that place of softness, like coming almost like a new heart where I could drop all the resentments. It meant so much to me to, to witness these baptisms. And I was able to share this much more concisely than I just shared it right now. Um, that it was my nephew's baptism. I wasn't invited and being able to see these babies and this elder be baptized in a way was very meaningful to me. Um, and just so much gratitude. But and, and in this, like witnessing in this place where I was able to drop resentments, where I was just so thankful and like a smile, like was just on my face. Um, and I was trying to sub- Almost a happiness that's so rich that it's necessary a little bit to keep it, to not suppress it, but just contain it. Because I wanted to be giggling like, <laughs> and being silly with everyone, which is cool. But one is a new, it's a newer community for me. It's not a community that I've earned my chops or established myself in any particular way. And maybe this is a good point to bring up. Like, yeah, you're not entitled. I'm learning more and more, especially with age. Like, you're not, when you go to a new place, maybe particularly as a man and being like a full grown man now, um, there's an earning. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to earn it through explicit acts. It might not even be like, a particular dollar amount or acts of or donation or whatever that that may help but usually it's showing up consistent consistently to a particular group so that trust can be established over time and trust is is established over time slowly and surely through consistency and um and presence and perhaps a little bit of humility so being new to this community or newer to this community um it wasn't my place to speak too long or to to do anything. It was already covered. The ceremony was already covered, but um, so just kind of being present and not taking too much in a new community. 
starting with not like over speaking um, and just being respectful and maintaining a certain amount of humility, knowing that if I went in with some sort of entitlement to be respected um, a particular way or be heard a a particular way, it would probably work in reverse. There might even be some resentment. So, yeah, just just this gratitude. I kind of lost a little bit of my point, but um, like basically a fresh heart where I was able to drop resentments and genuinely wish the best for these relationships that have hurt me, even for that moment, while feeling the prayer, like. I've said in the past, there's that simple exercise of I love myself. I love myself. And most of the time when I'm practicing, I'm, I'm almost lying. I don't love myself. It's, it's kind of going through the motions. But when I do love myself and I can say it and feel it, then the whole practice gets validated. And it was just a super validating moment where I could feel these prayers being manifest. Um, and it, it's just one step towards peace and repair. And I'm not asking for anything for them. It was more of me having like this this piece of peace in my heart. Um, and and then when I kind of went through like all of these relationships in my life, um, asking for like my father to uh, he he has a particular amount of anxiety in his age and, and with the dynamics in his life. So asking um, for him to have strength and clarity in his relationships, asking for my mother to be able to receive as much love as she's giving, as she has the ease in giving, um, asking for my girlfriend to really step into her own power uh, and, and to embrace the power. She's such a powerful, beautiful woman. And for her to step more fully into that role um, and to kind of claim her power and and then asking for my brother who had who's kind of going through a rough time he just got injured in jujitsu and he's kind of getting turned upside down so like picturing him dancing and running and and uh and playing jujitsu again and uh with a fully healthy body and a healthy mind and healthy healthy knee and then asking for love uh to come into my sister's and and brother-in-law's life and just able to drop all that. And then once I was kind of done, grandmother, grandfather, aunts, cousin, uh, cousins, like just going through each relationship and not in a rush, like I'm kind of now to speak, but just taking my time, thinking clearly of these things. And then they were empowered with thought, or I'm sorry, like they were empowered with feeling the thoughts, the thoughtful prayers. And then I kind of got to myself and I'm like, well, I might as well try to use some of this power of manifestation and see what happens. Not with the expectation, but just like, I feel so good right now. I feel this clarity in my and this vision. Just so I'm, I might as well just like, like picture myself in beautiful places with beautiful relationships and and friendships, true friendships, which has been has been a point of contention. Um, but like people that call me and that invite me to places, not just places where I can pay and, and contribute with money, but um, ask me to hang out. And um, so I don't, uh, 
and uh, and money and wealth so that I can do the things, um, the passion projects like bringing bison back to the Great Plains, like a, a wild bison population, which I don't know how it's going to happen. There's all sorts of, of objections and 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 there's a possibility for doubt because bison need a tremendous amount of land. They're migrating animals. So how will that be moderated when they start going onto private people's lands? Like, is there a certain certain amount of containment that'll be necessary and then will that diminish their ability to thrive like but nevertheless picturing the uh the midwest and the great plains once again full with with tall grasses and full with bison and if anything if there's no pure crystallization prayers probably won't be answered exactly how i pictured it but the 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 practice and of seeing this stuff and feeling like I already have it, feeling like it's already there was pretty nice. It's a pretty nice thing. And I, I wonder um, if it can be done without that, that, doubt and suffering um, that preceded it by the 10 plus hours of, you know, questioning myself and questioning the experience. Um, And I think the answer is yes. I mean, I think next time if I'm invited to something like this, I'll be, I'll have a little resilience knowing that I've persevered and made it through. And my previous experience of having persevered and made it through uh, particular experiences kind of like this, I'm, you know, it gave me the strength at times to to make it through this one. Um, but I guess that that might just be trying to find another easy way out. And I don't know if this life is an easy way out. I, it might be all work. <laughs> it might be difficult, and uh, um. There's a struggle to it, but then, then again, the 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 sweetness comes from the struggle. So, what else about the? What else can I share? I was trying to remember some more of the um, more intricate elements of the ceremony that were that were described, or more in the intention. Um, There was a cedar element. Uh, There was a person one of the women who was helping facilitate um, like cedar was used to put on the fire during, during diff- different types of prayers. And even when I brought up my nephew having been baptized and I shared that with the community space, um, the, the, the woman carrying the cedar um, asked me what my nephew's name was. And I told him, and then we put some cedar on the fire for him, you know, and in my mind, my prayer for him was, it's kind of easy to pray for babies because all you can really ask for for a baby is health, happiness, um, and love to be present in their life. I'm sure you can get into minutia, but like, I'm not asking for a baby to have like the prospect, you know, be able to support themselves financially or to, um, you know, to uh, heal any illness is so healthy already. So it's more like, health and happiness and longevity. May he always have clean water and like, and a good source of food and, and, and feel the presence of love in his life. 
uh, at various points. Um, it's a little bit more complicated to pray for uh, myself and adults because I have desires and, and wants and I try not to conflate my desires too much. Uh, I try to remember those times when I, I feel the prayer is most potent. I'm usually asking for altruistic stuff like the health of those around me and the health of myself. Like, I guess that same prayer for a baby is kind of like the foundation of my, of my, my own self prayers. Like, Hey, thank you. Big, big force in the world. If, if you can listen, I'm thinking you can, that's how I'm, that's how I'm playing the game. Um, thank you. And, uh, health and happiness is preferred. So that's what, that's the, that's my wish list. <laughs> but it, you know, it gets more specific. I start to recognize patterns in these in adults. And like I said, for my mom and father and mother and father, like it was just more specific stuff, like almost judgments of, of what they need from my perspective. And then, asking for that or picturing them, uh, experiencing those, those new things. But it might've been cool to like, try to manifest a, a particular house or boat or piece of land or like, you know, some worldly possessions or desires, like, like sexual, cool sexual experiences. Um, that might have been pretty cool. But when when I'm in that heart space, um, it's harder to remember my penis space that I like to talk to talk about on the show. And I, I think that's next episode, but there are some thoughts I've had. I think we're going to have a porn episode number two. Talk about another conspiracy theory, the circum circumcision, circumcision, circumcision conspiracy. Unpack what that's all about. But no, this one, this episode, I want to keep pure and kind of just share um, the beauty, but the darkness, I suppose, too. That that's at the first half of this this podcast. And there's so like there's so many cool thoughts I had about like the number 13 and and its significance and the number 4 and and how there's all these different like impactful fours um such as the elements and the directions archangels are uh there's four of them um but yeah, like the doubt in my head is like well there's really cool threes and people love five and six. Like all the numbers have their own place and their own kind of cool correspondence uh, to the nature of things. But um, yeah, this one this one's about four. And even thirteen is one plus three. One and three is four. So thirteen is kind of a representation of four. Um. And another, like, so I got this tattoo. It's an eight-pointed star, which is two fours. And um, 
I got this before I did started any of the ceremony work. And it's hard for me to know. Oh no, I remember why. I um the message I wanted of my first tattoo to be was to create more than I consume. I I kind of had this uh awareness that damn, humans just consume. I'm a human. I just I'm consuming so much every day. Water, air, food, a plenty. It's such a consumer uh, world that we're living in. Um, how do I give back? How do I contribute back to the cycle so that it doesn't break? It's not completely out of balance. And I looked up symbols of creation. Um, I think Alpha Omega. Alpha was one of them. But this one came up as the alchemical an alchemical representation of creation. Um, so I think that was my thought process going in, but it's evolved now. Like this eight-pointed star has been very present. It was very present in last night's or this past weekend's uh, ceremony. Um, and all these like four uh, kicks um, is kind of like, did I manifest this path? Did I contribute to the manifestation of this path through this tattoo? Like, what is that all about? Is there is there a reality to that? It doesn't all feel coincidental. Like, coincidence feels further than ever um, after an experience like this, this weekend. Um, so just things to consider. That things that I'm considering is this four? I mean, there's in my phone number, there's four fours. I, like, what do you do with that? Not much, but it's like, I look at it. I'm like, ah, cool. That's neat. So this weekend, this week has been about fours in such a way. Driving home, um, I ended up getting an Airbnb uh, with a few friends who were also there, and uh, the price ended up being $44. And driving home, the license plate, I saw two license plate, one was 2222. There were some numbers on the front and back end, but sandwiched in between was 2222. And then I saw 44, which is less, it's usually more fun to see like three fours or three numbers in a row. It's like, oh, and sometimes I take pictures of like when my gas pump stops at like 1333 or, um, you know, I see license plates that have three numbers in a row. Oh, and this, this on the drive home, uh, we were caravanning a couple of us. And at the, t the TP, which I actually helped disassemble, um, and they put an eagle feather at the top of the TP. They bound it to the very, very top. And it was a big TP. It was probably like three, three stories high or something like that. Um, cool, right? I, there was some eagle symbolism put into the ceremony. The coal, the firekeeper with the hot coals that were burned down. Um, there was a point in the ceremony where, where he shaped them 
like an eagle. Or it is kind of like a goose because it had a longer neck. But I think it was supposed to be an eagle because eagle got brought up a bunch of times. Driving home towards home, a bald eagle flying east to west to keep it, I don't know, somewhat relevant. You can do whatever you want with that. A bald eagle flew right over our caravan. Eagles don't fly low. I've never seen I never see eagles particularly a bald eagle and so for it to fly we us to be driving and it to fly directly over our heads as we were driving what are the chances for it to be a bald eagle flying low what are the chances don't know don't know what to make of these things but it's cool (laughs) it's just cool Yeah. It's good to be in community. It's good to be in a community where people uh like pray out loud. Like I get church. This is this is kind of my church. Uh when I get invited to these these things, these ceremonies like maybe once or twice a year, a couple times a year. And like people are intentional like at least saying out loud nice things. It has a nice effect. If that's it, if none of what we're, if there's, if we're not actually praying, to, if it's just an abyss that we're praying to, which my mind's, my heart's telling me no. But I can also see how the suffering of this, of the place, of the life we're given, if it's not validated, it could very much feel like we're alone in a void. Um, but yeah, and if that is true, if that's the pessimism that is adopted by you, I, I understand and I'm empathizing that. I'm not trying to reject that. But at least saying things nice out loud, it like feels good in a moment to at least hear other people speak kind things. Um there's something there's something nice about that. At bare minimum. And then if you want to add layers of like there are there is a higher intelligence that can actually be affected or listens in a particular way, um, then it can only just get that much richer, the experience. And the, so I get church. I'm, I would never I was never really one to put down religions. I think I there's something valuable to extract in all of them. All of them can point you to the the thing that enlightenment or greater peace or heaven or whatever heaven on earth um so i was never one to kind of put them down and maybe that's why i'm open to the possibilities of a loving creator um and in my mind, I, having a scientific background, right? I, I did the chemistry thing. I've been exposed to all sorts of the science, the sciences. Uh, I listen to atheist podcasters um, who are intellectuals, and I enjoy their their take on it. And, and they do bring up like the foundation of randomness. Like I can appreciate that, but in my mind, there is no like. They're not uh, mutually exclusive. Like science has never been exclusive of God. But my 
my God is is bound to nature. So that like the marriage of, of God and science is like the examination of nature to me. Or is through nature, is through us. It, my my idea of God is not um creator, master technocraft, as Alan Watts would call it. It's Alan Watts does an amazing job talking about uh the models of God, one being um which is more aligned with Christ, the the creation story of Christianity, where God makes humans out of clay, like the clay pot uh analogy. So God is outside of human, makes human, and now human is its own thing. Um and human is its own thing, separate of God. And Alan Watts does a good job, like kind of saying the consequences of that, of creating separation of God. And dang, another conspiracy is why would anyone want us to believe that we're separate from God? So the second model is, um, we like God lives within all of us. It's more like a Hindu where, um, like it talks about a table covered with a scarf and God is is the hand underneath the table and we are all the fingers seemingly separate from each other um, but really adjoined by the single by a single life source if you will and uh, a lovely uh, I don't know if it's called analogy metaphor symbol of this is like uh, someone of Eastern culture would ask a child would ask, how has I grown? Whereas a child uh, from the Western society would ask, how was I made? And we are grown. We're literally grown from seed to, to human. Um, so like we are expanding out. This is all so basic, but it's sometimes nice to just hear it. How like these basic truths, like cars are made, multiple pieces of a car put together to create a thing. It's not grown, um, and there should there ought to be a separation between uh, between that something that does grow and expand from a from its single point, a seed to a tree, etc. Uh, organic life as we know it, as compared to something that's made. Like I'll listen to people in the fitness industry or um, that talk about like humans, like they are mechanical. Like oh, you have a pain in your arm. Let's address the arm as a piece. Um, and I find in my own personal practice, like I, I look at the whole as well as the piece as, as the, as the whole affects the piece and as the piece affects the whole type of thing. So pain in my arm could mean a conditioning or a certain examination of my stomach, hips, Whatever, I'm, I'm, and it's not so specific. It's not like, oh, my collarbone's connected to my third toe on my right foot. Um, I don't know the value of that. I just think it's all together. There's evidence this is all connected. Um, so examining the whole to get an understanding of the parts can be valuable, and examining the part as it relates to the whole can be valuable too. So with this perspective of God being in and of humans, 
Um, it, it leaves room for science to coexist. I think it's harder for science to coexist with the clay model of God, which looks as God is the big man in the sky, separate from humans. Um, so, so my divinity is a divinity that lives within all the living things and it can be accessed by all the living things. Um, it's, it's much more inclusive. And so it, it leaves room for science and um, divinity to walk together and not, yeah, and not outcast each other. Like even aliens, like if you're like, well, if aliens show up, then people are not going to be able to to think, you know, to believe in God anymore. And like I, like I've been saying, it's maybe it'll be quite challenging for those who look at God as a, a large man or a regular sized man living in the sky or in the ground or whatever. Um, it, it could challenge that belief. Um, but the whole universe can be included in th- that great force or the great spirit that permeates through all of it. a collection of the whole in a sense. And what I have to do then is I have to think, okay, is it intelligent? Does it hear me? If it lives within me, if it's part of me, what am I praying to? A part of myself? Am I praying to my real self, my whole self? Um, and therefore like the creation, does it come from me? Like other people are real and they're just as valid. And like the divinity in them, uh, is just as potent, which keeps me from going too far. Cause there's a part in my journey where it's like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm the whole, but there's also a danger in imposing myself on the whole it it can lend itself to narcissism it could make me crazy like i have relationships in my life that i've noticed particular behavior that doesn't jive it doesn't create harmony within our relationship so the first thing i would do is be like okay how am i what part in me is creating this um, selfishness. If I'm seeing a particular selfishness in a relationship where someone's not able to reciprocate, um, it's not symbiotic. It just feels like a vamp, like a vampire or they're taking, it's like, um, I would, I would only like uh, some time ago, I would only internalize that and be like, Oh, it's me. Um, I know I'm, I'm one with the universe, so uh, I guess I just have to fix myself and it's not anything that they can do. It's all about me. And that is not the way to go either because, I mean, you can also see things that aren't you, that aren't, that aren't my divinity. Um, and and whether or not someone wants to take that feedback or ha- can hear you and can see through that and make a change that that'll be on them but it'll allow me to put up a boundary to be like oh this person won't reciprocate in the relationship 
I no longer have to give. I don't have to burden all of the discord in our relationship because they're unable to see or to hear feedback or, or they keep saying, you're just projecting on me or you're just, yeah, but I could be projecting something that is not me um, that I, and that ultimately do, I don't want that doesn't serve either of us. Um, there's a cleaner way to, to articulate this point and, I'm, and it doesn't feel like I, I perfectly did it, but uh, I now more am able to put up a boundary um, for a non-reciprocal uh, relationship, a relationship that can't be symbiotic, that can't serve, or that's that's just not a, a clean cycle. It doesn't have a balance. It doesn't have a balance. So I'm, I'm, I, it's almost like by, by, by genuinely seeing the otherness, it's like I can get the, the true otherness and appreciating like unity through diversity, like the true otherness can lend itself to the unification. It's not about making everything else about me. Oh, that's me. Oh, that's me. Oh, that's me. Um, and then treating it um, like it's my problem to fix or my problem to bear or my responsibility to take to shape their to shape actions of the perceived outside or of the outside. It, I'm now more like able to reconcile the otherness, the true otherness. And when I when I celebrate someone's true otherness, authentic otherness, like that unity will happen. The union of us, the, the the balance is there, but it's not about constantly imposing self on other. It's it's that's closer to narcissism when it's out of balance, where um, it seems to be more about celebrating the otherness and giving the sovereignty, the power of the other to be the actual other, to be the true other, and that's when the unification can occur. I mentioned this in a previous podcast, like the paradox being true. You have to sometimes take, like when you take something to its utmost, it becomes its opposite. So for instance, like in ceremony, if I'm asking for patience or love, patience particularly, I'll, I'll, I'll feel myself not a patient person sometimes. So like there's been ceremonies I've asked for patience and the ceremony will give me every reason to be impatient. Someone will be talking and I, and I like, please stop. <laughs> Like wishing for that, like ha- it'll show me what impatience is so that I can learn patience. If I ask for love in my life, sometimes it'll show me all the ways that I'm not loving so that I can bring love to those, those places. It, it's not, it's, you can't, I can't skate on rainbows all the time without seeing the darkness that that can cast no rainbow or whatever whatever you want I, this is this is a good one <laughs> so what a beautiful what a beautiful ceremony i'm so thankful to have been invited to participate um and to celebrate uh the transition of of a, of a really great person into their elder, their um, wisdom. And 
thank you universe thank you great spirit for today and for um all the days i i have left and thank you thank you so much for tuning in um and, and being with me and and hearing these stories and extracting some beauty from it that you can uh carry with you um putting up a boundary of anything I said that, that you can't carry with you or that doesn't serve you and your, and your particular path. So thank you so much for all of it and for being here with me. I'm Nico and this has been the good wind. Whew.